Let's go to the hotline now all the way up to Lexington, Kentucky. And no, it's not a continuation of Saturday night. And the Gators went over the Lexington, over the Lexington Wildcats, over the Kentucky Wildcats in Lexington. A rare moment. Florida gets a call. Florida wins the game. And some of the players who thought they might graduate and never have a win at Kentucky, including Chris Chiosa, had a little gift on Saturday night. It's good to win against the Wildcats. I'm worried about Laura Rutledge. She's up there. You know, they might find out that she is a Florida graduate, and you never know what might happen. But she's on assignment. She's well-known around the league. And I must say, Laura does a very good job of keeping it pretty neutral. Laura, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, you're right. Uh, If there were the fan base that I'd be a little bit concerned about, it might be Kentucky, especially with the – to me and you know truly buddy it feels like the hour of urgency is here you you never want to panic too much in a basketball season especially with young teams and that's something that coach Cal has become very used to it's sort of the bet he makes for himself and he knows that but it does feel like a little bit of a, a panic session going on uh in relation to the Kentucky Wildcats and on the other end of that you know Florida getting a huge win As much as people may say, oh, well, this Kentucky team is super young, that's true. But they are very talented. So I still think, you know, this is a a very big win for the Florida Gators. And I think something they can build off of, especially heading into the SEC Big 12 Challenge this coming weekend. That's going to be a tough week for Cal for a change. He's playing in a much tougher SEC right now uh, where there's talent, lots of talent, obviously. Uh, he He claims the youngest team in the country. Uh, who's trying to do what they're trying to do. What he meant by that was there's young teams, so they go 3-25. and 25. He wants to win the SEC and, you know, get into the Final Four. We'll see about that. But Cal also getting a little heat. They're not ranked in the top 25, which is rare. Uh, and some of the fans, even on the Paul Feinbaum show, complaining, maybe this one-and-done thing is self-serving. Maybe he needs to go back and try to win some championships and, 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 and hang some banners. Are you hearing any of that at all, Laura? Yeah, I do think there's a little bit of a fatigue with the one-and-done environment. And, you know, I think this happens every year to some extent. Kentucky will sometimes lose some of these games early on and people get all upset but this does feel a little bit different because the way that they're losing that they look like they're a team that is not going to be as competitive as Kentucky fans want them to be and and I I had said this last week and I stand by it is this Kentucky team makes to the sweet 16 coach Cal might be coach of the year I mean this is such a difficult group to coach not because they're not uh, amenable to being coached they are talented kids but they are that young and and they're just trying to get it. And and he's having to change things up all the time. And they're having to, you know, try different approaches when things don't work. They also haven't been healthy. So the one and done fatigue, I think will happen, buddy. And that's something that, you know, they're going to have to deal with. Uh, I don't think that coach Cal is going to change his approach at all. I don't think there's really in his mind, a reason to do so because he continues to get big time kids, but, You know, you do wonder at some point if college basketball is going to change a little bit. You see some of these guys, and we saw it, you know, at Missouri, for instance, and of course he hasn't played, but Michael Porter Jr. going to Missouri. Some of these big-time players deciding to stay closer to home, not going to Kentucky, where they kind of know that they they can run the table a little bit. Of course, Duke has loaded up in this 
current recruiting class, well, they're in a three, little bit of a different Top three players category. in the country, right? Yeah, I mean, it's unreal. But, but you wonder if the philosophy is changing a little bit, I think, overall in college basketball. And that's where the one-and-done fatigue could become more real in the coming years. Yeah, for sure. All right, Laura, you cover a lot of things. Obviously, gymnastics, you cover softball, uh, you cover uh, volleyball. I mean, you do you, you do a sideline reporter uh, for the Thursday night game. You host the toughest job of all is hosting the Saturday morning show during football season with all those big egos, with those guys, man. T-Bow, Feinbaum, et cetera, et cetera. you got to balance that. That's a hard job. But of all the things you do, and you you kind of are like the all-purpose player, which one is the hardest and which one is the most fun? Yeah, you know, I think there are some parallels between my husband's baseball career and, and my broadcasting career because we're both like utility players, and, and I, I find that to be so much fun. I mean, I, truly, I love every single sport that I do, and, and gymnastics is, you know, a, a total departure from what hosting SEC Nation is during the fall, but they're all fun and, and special in their own ways. I would say probably the most difficult is hosting Nation, and, and not because of the ego. I mean, those guys are my buddies, and they're so much fun. Uh, but truly just, you know, maximizing the time that we do have to talk about all the topics in the SEC and all the things that the fans want to hear. And, you know, we do take it so seriously that we are we are serving not only football fans, but SEC football fans. So what are we bringing to them that's different? What, how are we drawing them in in a way that's going to keep them coming back for more? And I think that's a, a constant challenge to really juggle when you have so much to discuss and so much to talk about. And uh, it, it was just such a fun year when you look back on it, two SEC teams end up in the national championship we just couldn't have asked for more fun and for better and and also so many coaching changes there were discussion topics galore this year to talk about on nation so balancing all of that i think maximizing it to its most fullest extent is is something that i have found very challenging but also very rewarding and fun it's only one football though and you can't give it all of them they got, <laughs> so you have to pass it around a little bit tough job and no, believe me i'm having done that that's not easy to do and uh, you do it well. Uh, let me just, you know, I put a tease up today uh, to tell people you're coming on the show. As you know, you have a lot of fans down here. I hear tell maybe there's a little birdie told me you may be showing up down here at some point for a function. We'll see about that down the road somewhere. That'd be awesome. But you have uh, you have these fans who who really like you. So I put a tease up today. Laura Rutledge on the show today. Will she dish the dirt on Paul Feinbaum? So... <clears throat> I need to know something on Paul. I mean, you, you got to tell me that he like once ate a McDonald's hamburger or something. You got to give me something here so I can live up yeah. to the tease. All right. Yeah. You know, Paul, there, there's a lot of dirt that I won't dish on him, but mm -hmm. what, what I will say is that, you know, his, his eating habits are a little odd, but I've learned sort of the a rhyme and reason behind them. And he will eat a cheese plate. Like mm -hmm. if you, if you want to feed Paul, Get him a cheese plate and maybe some cocktail shrimp, and he, he likes okay. that. He'll eat that. Uh, we know how he loves smoothies, but there was a time, and this is one of the funniest things that has happened with my adventures with Paul in recent memory. We were at the Sugar Bowl, and so, of course, we're in New Orleans with you know some of the best food oh. in the South, and they bring in this whole thing of po'boys, or poor boys, if you really talking new orleans style and so they bring them in and there's like fried oyster and there's shrimp and you know it just looks amazing and i'm i'm kind of eyeing them and paul standing next to me said oh i think we should try one of those 
And I looked at him, I said, you're going to eat a fried really? sandwich? Like, a, I mean, this is just not you. And he said, well, I mean, you know, when in New Orleans, like, we got to do this. And so we both ate a fried oyster po' boy. And it was really good. And Paul actually ate it, and he lived to tell the day, and he lived to tell the story. So, you know, for him, a lot of times he'll stay away from things like that because he thinks it's going to make him sick or he just, you know, he doesn't want to do it. But yeah. he wore that thing down like his job. I mean, it was incredible. I, I think you classify him as a fastidious eater. Really hot, peculiar, and, and he has his own way. And sometimes when you have a bottle of beer with him, watch how he drinks the beer. Just just saying, okay? Yeah, uh, side of the mouth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so we got a little dirt on him. All right, so let's back to sports temporarily. Uh, uh, we're talking about, well, I know you watched some of the Super Bowl. I'm not sure we all, I mean, should be the playoff we, this weekend, the two teams winning to go to the Super Bowl. Now we have in the SEC quite a few people going to, uh, uh, players going to the to, uh, to Minneapolis, going to the Super Bowl. And, and with, 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 uh, with the championship game from the Eagles and, and uh, the, the Patriots, unfortunately the Jags couldn't make it, uh, just like we all picked it, right? <laughs> Philadelphia <laughs> going like to play against New England. New England, maybe. Uh, so, so do you know these numbers? They were on your on Paul's show. Uh, which SEC team has the most players going to the Super Bowl? I don't know. I didn't watch Paul's show today, so I'm not sure. But I, I would I would say that you know, obviously, you kind of think, okay, maybe it's Alabama or LSU. Uh, but maybe it's maybe it's another team. I don't know. What yeah. about Florida? How many? Yeah. There's some there's some guys that that play for those teams. I think from Florida, right? Yes, I, I was interested in his stat, and actually, I think Cole Kubelik actually posted it. I don't think Paul of Paul ever had it on. He may have had the list, but the numbers I got off his list, Arkansas with four has the most. What? Arkansas, yes, and <laughs> Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and Florida have three each. So those okay, are the well, leaders. There you go. All, all of which, by the way, I would not have predicted Arkansas. Who did? No, I would not. I wouldn't have predicted. No, it. I wouldn't yeah. have either. And, and so here, your friend Danny Cannell, <laughs> the noted SEC hater, uh, had to come back and say, uh, "Funny with all the propaganda sent out by the SEC, you think that would at least be in the top three, but pesky hashtag facts get in the way." <clears throat> uh, he says, "Schools are the most players." On conference championship weekend, this is conference. Next is not Super Bowl. Conference championship weekend. Who do you? What school do you think had the most players in the conference championship weekend this past weekend? Hmm. Just think about it. Canal. Maybe Florida State. There you go. There you Cannell. go. Yeah. <laughs> Michigan had eight, and UCLA eight. So Canal could oh. get that dig in there and make sure he got. You know, don't get me started on him. He, he <laughs> has come after me many times uh, on Twitter no. for for really no reason other than to uh, promote his own agenda and stories. Of course, which is, is fascinating because he says that's what we're all doing, but truly, that's actually mm -hmm. what he's doing. Exactly right. All right, so. So let's talk a little bit about the Alabama parade and about the Alabama football team and uh, the season that Alabama had. And you know Saban a little bit, not as well as Feinbaum. Uh, and I know you you, you helped style uh, Jalen Hurts' hair since he, <laughs> <laughs> since he since he's cut it off now. Talk to me about the Alabama parade. Talk to me about Nick Saban, what you think of him, and tell me about where you think Jalen Hurts will take the first snap in the spring. Yeah, you know, I spent a ton of time around this team this year and a ton of time around Coach Saban in the process, and 
Uh, you know, it's funny I say process because that's what he's so known for. Yeah. But it, it really was phenomenal that that team won a national championship because as much as they were dominant early on, they were really doing it against much lesser competition. And then they got so injured. And, you know, there are not many teams that would have survived the way they did and, and kind of been given a second chance. Although I do think that the committee got it right in putting them in yes. there. And I think that was validated by them winning the national championship. But, um, you know, m not many teams survive losing an entire position group basically to injury. And that, that's pretty much what happened to them with their linebacker. And in Nick Saban's defense, and this has been talked about a little bit, but I don't know if it's been talked about enough, his defense relies so specifically on the linebackers to make plays. The D-line's basically just holding their man in place, and then the linebackers get to the quarterback. The linebackers make the plays. And so without linebackers who truly know what they're doing, and you know some of these guys tried their best, but they're young or they're not as talented, just doesn't operate the way that it should and Alabama has certainly functioned off of dominant defense in the last couple of years so what we saw was an Alabama team that in a lot of ways was a departure from what Nick Saban really wants to do not only defensively for a while though they got back to it but then it, the biggest risk he's ever taken a decision that is so non-Nick Saban with putting Tua Tonga-Vailoa in the second half of the game in the national championship. I mean, that is just something he doesn't do. And, and there had been rumblings. Of course, I was embedded with the team during the Sugar Bowl week and leading up to that game. There had been rumblings that we would see Tua in the game, and we saw him a ton in practice, and we saw his talent displayed. And I've seen that going all the way back to the spring game last year. But you just didn't feel like they'd ever actually pull the trigger and do it. And so in doing that, I think you truly saw that Nick Saban is never satisfied to just stuck on his laurels and to rest on his laurels. He's just not that kind of guy, and, and you know that about him, but that was exhibited in that game. I mean, because truly, that's the one trump card they had. Uh, Kirby Smart's defense and Kirby Smart in general so prepared for whatever Jalen Hurts is going to do and for some of his insufficiencies as a passer. So they said, let's figure out what can we do to throw Kirby off his game. And, and while Georgia was in it until the very final play of the game, that ended up being the X factor was to his ability to pass and just that raw ability. And in talking to so many people around the program and just other people who have seen him throw the ball, I mean, buddy, they say that Tua Tonga-Vailoa is one of the best, if not the best passers that you've ever seen, just pure passers. I mean, the way that he throws the ball is beautiful. It's magnificent. That said, I do think that Jalen Hurts will stick around at Alabama. Mm. I don't, I could be wrong, but I imagine him sticking around. And I think that's where you say, are we going to see some sort of odd dual, dual uh, quarterback system? I don't know that they would go to that way, but, you know, Jalen brings so much to the table with his legs. Tua can do a little bit of that, but it's hard to take Jalen's athleticism out of the mix altogether. Position change, potentially, I don't know. Either way, I think they, once again, have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to all of this with their talent. Laura Reynolds, ESPN, I got a question and a comment, okay, and I'll let you go. I know you're busy. I got an assignment tonight. Uh, what is it? Is it gymnastics tonight? No, I've got a Super Tuesday basketball tomorrow. So oh, Kentucky, Super Tuesday basketball. Okay, okay. Tomorrow. Kentucky and Mississippi State. Okay. And uh, so right. tonight, just doing a lot of research and okay. stuff and all that I jazz. You. All right. Uh, I, have a, I, went, I did a little research on you today. I, I actually don't know about, I mean, I know your personal life, but I thought I'm just going to do like a, you ever down and you Google yourself to see what people say about you. And I found all this, really nothing much of all. That the Laura I know anyway, uh, and but I do have a question that people ask me, including my wife all the time. Where does Laura live? And I know you kind of go back and forth. I, I could have said on an airplane, yeah. but I but but where, what do you yeah. call home? 
Uh, well, uh, our house is in is in Roswell, Georgia, so on okay. the outskirts Atlanta. of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and we really don't live there. I mean, that I that is like where I put my stuff and where Josh puts his stuff. Mm-hmm. But we, <laughs> I'm there. I'll kind of check in on it, make sure it's okay, and then uh, move on to the next mm-hmm. thing. And and I really think the more accurate answer to that question would be in an airplane. Yes, I mean you are everywhere, lady, everywhere. Now I need a favor. We're good enough friends. Okay. I, can, I can ask you this, right? I need to borrow yes. a dollar. I okay. got you. I got okay. you. Okay, and I'll However, pay you back when I see you next time. But when next the next time you're in the studio, whenever that is, and you're on, please give it to John Hayes because he started today started a, 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 a campaign to pay for a Super Bowl trip, and I want to give him a oh. dollar. Okay. Okay, I will pass that along to and him. I promise you. Be sure and tell it's from me. And I'm giving him a dollar. You know, I think they raised 80 bucks so far, so this will be like 81. So I just want okay, to be, good. I want to be right in there with him. I want to be there for him. All right. Oh, well, he will appreciate that so much, and, and as his friend, I appreciate that from you. <laughs> okay, Laura. Laura, so good to talk to you. Uh, uh, good so luck. Good to talk to you. Good luck the rest of the way, and enjoy your, you and Paul together on the on the show. And I'll talk to you hopefully down the road soon. All right, can't wait. All right, Laura. Laura Rubbish from ESPN.